we've found, you know, goods, really high quality goods is, can have a transformational impact on people in need too. It's so much more than just stuff. Welcome to On The Mission with Norwex Learning Network. I'm Amy Kadora. I created this show to help raise awareness about issues that can impact our quality of life, including harmful chemicals, plastic pollution, and sustainability. We'll also explore the simple changes that you can make to improve you, your families, and the planet's health. So today I am super excited to be able to talk a little bit and share a little bit with Sherry Rudolph. And Sherry is with the wonderful organization called Good360. And Sherry, I believe your title is Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Development Officer. Does that sound? That sounds exactly right. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Amy. Fantastic. Fantastic. But so excited to have her on this podcast today. And we just wanted to learn a little bit more about Good360 because this is a fairly new partner for us. Um, We were so excited when our team was able to find you guys, come across you guys, and felt like it could be a really good fit. So I thought maybe we could just start out with um, that kind of brief, or not, it doesn't have to be brief, but that overview of what Good360 is and maybe how you guys started, because I thought that was a really cool story too when I heard it for the first time, just to learn a little bit more about it. Sure. Yeah, sure. And, and thanks, Amy, so much for having me on the podcast. Um, like I said, as we were warming up to this, I could talk about Good360 for hours. We're so proud of the work that we do. So we always appreciate having an opportunity to share our story a little bit. So Good360 is a a national nonprofit. We're headquartered just outside of Washington, D.C. in Alexandria, Virginia. And we are the global leader in what we call product philanthropy and purposeful giving. And really what that means is that we work with literally hundreds of socially responsible companies that have goods, physical goods that they want to donate. And then we match up those product donations with nonprofits all around the country and even internationally who can use those goods to serve their local communities. So it's really, we've we've come up with a, a construct or a concept that we call the Good360 Circle of Good. And I think it does such an excellent job at encapsulating what we do and the impact that we have. So as I said, we work with companies that are looking for a responsible way to donate, usually large volumes of right. goods. We then match up those products with nonprofits who probably wouldn't have the resources or the assets or the wherewithal to be able to access those goods on their own. Um, Those nonprofits in turn put the goods in the hands of people in our communities who are truly in need, which means that they're helping deliver real hope and human dignity. And then there's a societal environmental benefit where we're helping keep a lot of perfectly good and useful items out of landfills or from otherwise being destroyed. So we like to look at that circularity of our impact and and hence the name Good360 and the circular bits on our logos and things like that. It all really comes back to this idea of of circularity and, and us kind of in the middle of that ecosystem. I, I love that. And, you know, it's it's exciting for us because typically when we're looking for places to donate um, any of our goods, it is typically a large amount and it can be challenging to 
you know, siphon off a little bit here and siphon off a little bit there. And we've done that, been happy to do that, but wonderful that, that you have that network that's already established to be able to go, Hey, yeah, we do have a need or even, you know, to your point, reaching out and going, Hey, Norwex, this is a group, this is a nonprofit that we think um, that has a need. And is there any way that you can help with that? So love that kind of two-way communication, two-way relationship. Yeah, exactly. Those are, you know, two of our biggest assets are really the networks on either side right. of this system. If you think of it that way, the right. network of the, of the companies that have the goods and are looking for ways to make positive impact. And then mm-hmm. on the other side of it is the network, as you said, of literally tens of thousands. Actually, we have over 90,000 registered and vetted nonprofits who are members of Good360. And the vetted part is really important because we actually put all of our nonprofits through fairly stringent vetting processes to make sure that, first of all, that they are a registered 501c3 organization with the mm-hmm. IRS, but then also that they are going to use the goods in the way in which our donors intend and the way in which Good360 intends. So for our donors, that takes a huge amount of responsibility off their shoulders because we can manage that on your behalf. So to your point, you don't have to worry about, is this a legitimate nonprofit that's asking for these goods? That's a role that Good360 plays on behalf of our donors. And it's a big part of the value that we add. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And that's, that's the 501c3 is something that we certainly look at too, when we're dealing with nonprofits um, directly. Tell me a little bit about it, the, I know you guys have been around for, it sounds like more than three decades, like mm-hmm. closing in on 40 years, which is an awful long time. How did the concept come to be? Like, how, how did this idea of, hey, we can play this role between these, these, did you say 70 or 90,000 nonprofits now? 90,000 nonprofits. 90,000 nonprofits. Yeah. So is there a story behind that? Or did who was the person that kind of started it? Or maybe it was a team that started this concept. Yeah, I'd love to be able to say that I've been around the entire time. But luckily, I have not been. <laughs> um, Good360 has been around for over 37 years now. And interestingly, we actually spun out of the United Way originally. So there was this idea, somebody recognized or team recognized at some point that there were companies that had products that they didn't necessarily know what to do with. They didn't want to destroy them. They didn't want to put them in landfills. Um, Maybe liquidation wasn't a great option for them because they're trying to protect their brand potentially, right? Keep, keep their goods from being in the secondary market. Um, And then on the other side of it, there is so much need in our communities. And we'll talk about that a lot today, I'm sure, in terms of the the need that exists. So this just felt like such a great opportunity to bring those two things together. And Good360 used to actually be called Gifts in Kind International for a long time. And it was spun out of United Way originally. And ultimately, we became our own 501c3. So we've been independent and not affiliated with anybody else. Um, for, as you said, decades now, but what we have done has grown significantly. So we've now distributed more than $10 billion in needed goods over the course of our history. Yeah, that's billion with a B. Um, And we've grown in terms of, you know, the investments that we're making and the key capabilities that we have to have to be successful and to meet the needs of our key stakeholders. So it's operations, 
technology, logistics, certainly the relationship management with our donors, mm-hmm. building a great nonprofit network who um, can take these donated goods and distribute them responsibly. So out of very humble beginnings as part of the United Way concept, here we are almost 40 years later, and we've distributed more than $10 billion in needed goods. It's so funny how many um, partners we talk with and and organizations we talk with that had such humble beginnings. And I think, you know, really because of the, I don't know, the dedication and the passion with which um, the people that started the organizations continue to to want to, you know, do good, that what they're able to achieve over decades is pretty amazing. Just one person, you know, having an idea and nurturing it and continuing to push it through. Um, the impact of one person can be pretty significant, you know? That is a great point. We have such a, we have a small team, relatively speaking, right? So um, we've got a full-time team of just over 50 people, five zeros. It's not a very big team at all. And that's something that we remind each other all the time that is individuals, (laughs) even if it's, you know, we're managing spreadsheets and figuring out where donations are going, it's, it's really staying connected to the the, our purpose and to the why behind what we do and not just people but as we found you know goods really high quality goods it can have a transformational impact on people in need too it's so much more than just stuff right this isn't just excess goods maybe to somebody or to to, to the company who's, who's trying to find a responsible channel for the distribution of these goods it's excess but for the people who receive these goods like i said it's a real um, it provides people with a real sense of hope and human dignity, and, you know, additional potential. Right. Um, so it, it is amazing that, that uh, it, it is so much more than just stuff. And it is yep. incredible how much a single product or a single person, to your point, can make an impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those things that you mentioned, like dignity and hope, they, they're priceless. You know, it's, it's hard to put a price tag on those. So, um, you know, what, on your website saw that it talks about that for every dollar donated, Good360 is able to distribute $18 in goods. Can you talk a little bit about that and how, how you guys make that happen? Sure. Well, this is something we're really proud of. And this is a real testament to the effectiveness and the efficiency of our operating model, but also to um, a real testament to the fact that there, there is so much need um, in our communities. So we have spent, as you said, over almost four decades now really investing in Good360 and in this concept um, and bringing these two dynamics together, the donors and the recipient nonprofits. Um, and so the reason we're able to have such leverage in our operating model is really due to things like building really solid, long-standing relationships with key donors, building this, those same kinds of long-standing, valuable relationships with key nonprofit partners and understanding, you know, truly what their needs are in their communities. It also goes back to what I mentioned a minute ago around having very strong operating capabilities. Mm-hmm. So when you think about this concept at a high level, it's pretty simple, right? Well, let's take all the goods that are extra and let's give them to people who need them because, um, you know, they're going through a challenging life circumstance or they've just been through a natural disaster or whatever it might be. That's pretty simple on, on the surface, but when it comes down to like, how do you actually move $10 billion worth of goods over the last four decades? What does that look like? It's pretty complicated and it's pretty complex, right? And there's a lot of logistics and and moving parts. Um, So we've been able to, 
develop a lot of expertise in that area. And that's translated into operating efficiencies that allow us to have that leverage. Um, so for, like you said, every dollar donated, we, we in 2020, we, do, we delivered $18 worth of goods. In some cases, it's significantly more than that. Um, mm-hmm. Our disaster recovery work is a great example of that, where that amplification factor is, is often even, even higher than that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I thought I had read something about how many goods in disaster, in disasters, I was trying to think of a different word, but in disasters, ultimately get thrown away. Everything that's, all of this stuff is donated quickly in the moment, I guess, but a lot of it ultimately gets wasted. What What's going on there? How, how does that work? Why, why does it, in, do you know why it ends up getting wasted? You know, when I first started at Good360, this is one of the statistics that just blew me away. And I couldn't wrap my head around, how is this even possible? And the statistic is that up to 60% of goods that are donated during times of disaster end up going in landfills or otherwise going to waste, which was just mind-blowing. Right. It's crazy. Just staggering to think about that level of waste. And the way that it happens is this. There is an amazingly beautiful human reaction when there's a natural disaster and an outpouring of generosity and people want to be able to help and they want to be able to give, but without some knowledge of what is actually needed on the ground and some education about how to give in a really meaningfully, in a really meaningful, strategic, purposeful way with disasters, Unfortunately, what ends up happening is a lot of times is that people will send things that aren't needed or they send Mm -hmm. the wrong things the wrong time. Mm -hmm. So we've probably all been on the receiving end of, you know, after a major disaster, um, uh, you know, friends reach out or maybe the church reaches out and says, we're doing a drive and we want to get all this clothing together. or We need to get all this bottled water together and we're going to send it to Houston, for example, after Hurricane Harvey or to Tennessee last year after the spring tornadoes. Um, and unfortunately, if that's done without understanding what the needs really are, it can cause something that we've in the disaster recovery community, we've actually coined the second disaster, because what you end up doing is sending unneeded goods into a disaster zone at the wrong time. So you do things like clog up supply chains and routes, uh-huh. you end up getting stuff into areas where it may be destroyed because if floodwaters are still uh, rising or things are still right. happening in those areas or God forbid, like wildfires, you know, changing direction and moving. So you could lose items that you sent. Um, one of the most important things though, is it diverts the attention of the agencies and the volunteers that are already on the ground. And in those early days are doing life saving and life preserving work. And now they've got to figure out what do I do with this truckload of, of clothing that people just kind of brought out of their closets and we don't even really know if we need it. We've seen so many photos that are just heartbreaking. You, you know, an earthquake in Haiti and then suddenly there is, there are pounds and pounds and pounds of bags of clothing just sitting on the side of the runway at the airport and there's nowhere to put it. And it gets rained on, it gets mildewy, it gets moldy. And so then pretty soon you start to see how those things end up in landfills and go to wow. waste because they're not the right goods, mm-hmm. for the right people at the right time. And in our disaster recovery work, that's what we really focus on over the long term. Yeah, that's got to be doubly painful, right? Because you have the disaster, to your point, uh, the initial disaster, and then you're sitting there watching all of these goods that so many people have generously donated going to waste. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. We've seen things like winter coats being sent to Haiti or roller skates and prom dresses being sent into disaster areas when what people really need are personal care items like deodorant and toothpaste, um, clothing that they, you know, rubber boots for, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Things that are appropriate for the situation. Right. Um, So we focus a lot on, on that education piece with our partners to try to help move the needle in the right direction in terms of being able to give more appropriately and more thoughtfully during times of disasters. Wow. It's almost like that needs a whole program itself, you know, almost an umbrella over any disaster uh, program, you know, just in general, Hey, let's make sure we have a filter that we're sending things through everyone before we send them through. So, right. And it's actually funny you should say that. So uh, uh, in 2018, good 360 with some partners launched just such a program called resilient response. Uh-huh. And the idea was exactly what we've been talking about was that we felt like there was there really needed to be a shift in the way we think about giving during disasters and collectively we need to do it better, whether we're individuals or whether we're corporations. There's just a, so many ways in which we could do um, things better. It needed a more thoughtful and, and purposeful approach to giving in disasters, not just the giving part, but also just how we respond in general. So we've brought together now, I think it's about 65 different organizations, both companies and nonprofits um, as part of this resilient response platform. And and these 65 companies basically taken a pledge saying that they will make steps to move in the right direction. Um, And the pledge itself is based on six different pillars. And it's things like we're going to be proactive about preparing for disasters and mm-hmm. making sure that we have things lined up ahead of time. We're going to do good preparedness work. We're going to pre-position the things that we know are going to be needed in the wake of disasters, you know, close to vulnerable regions. We're going to respond to needs. So no more roller skates and prom dresses. We're going to mm-hmm. understand what's actually needed on the ground in those communities. And we're going to respond accordingly um, we're going to focus on resilience. And so a big part of it is let's make sure we leave these communities in a stronger position than they were before the disaster. And resilience has so many different factors to think about. Um, and then it's educational. That's, that's a big piece of this resilient response campaign and platform is it really is about education. And so one of the big benefits is bringing together representatives from these participating organizations to share best practices what do they do with their employees? What do they do in their local communities? Uh, how do they leverage volunteers? How do they support disaster recovery based on the unique assets that those organizations have, whether it's product, whether it's money, whether it might be facilities, transportation, storage, volunteers with specific expertise. Um, so there's a lot of ways in which people can can give and contribute to the recovery process in, in a really smart and strategic way as opposed to cleaning out closets and sending prom dresses and roller skates. You know, it's, um, as you're talking, it, it occurs to me that perhaps the best thing that we as individuals can donate when it comes to disasters is money. Meaning, you know, and it's more a question for you, you know, as an individual, if there's a disaster, is it donating money to one of these, you know, organizations that's kind of the the first responders, first on the ground, so that they can make the decision about what is most appropriate and what they need uh, and have the funds to be able to, to acquire those? That is exactly right. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, giving money during disasters is quite often 
the best way to contribute, especially for individuals, mm-hmm. um, because it, it's exactly what you're saying. Then nonprofits and responding agencies can leverage those funds where they're needed most. And because they're more connected to what's happening day to day and how the recovery process is unfolding, they've got a good sense of how they can make the most impact um, with those resources. So, so money is absolutely critical. We rely on our corporate partners from a, a financial support perspective for sure, but also on the corporate side, we really encourage companies to look at what their unique assets are and how they can best give to support a specific initiative. And, and like I said, sometimes it might be money, sometimes it might be product. Um, in the early stages of disaster recovery, we need a lot of things that are very different than what we need longer term in disaster recovery when we're, you know, rebuilding homes and getting people back in their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a fantastic multi-year partnership with UPS where they donate some in-kind transportation to help us get needed goods to where where they can be best used and where they'll have the most impact. Um, we have a great partnership with United Airlines who um, helps get us to places to do the work on the ground and to meet with our partners in those areas in the wake of disasters. Um, or even on a day-to-day basis, just meeting the everyday needs of, of, of Americans um, who are in challenging situations. Right. Um, but yeah, the cash piece, you're absolutely right. That is a, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. And it's a great takeaway for people mm-hmm. who are wondering, how, how best do I support these initiatives? Mm-hmm. Um, cash is always very helpful for, for nonprofits and responding agencies. Right. And, and, you know, for, for our listeners too, uh, you know, I'm not thinking about the 25, 50 or hundred dollars. I'm even thinking the $5 donations, you know, in terms of what, what your giving ability is that $5 can go a lot further in the hands of those that know best what needs to happen than, than, than obviously um, anybody else. So remember that even, even those few dollars can go, can buy a lot for them. So that's right. But if you go back to our $1 allows us to distribute 18 or more dollars in needed goods, then your $5, just to make the math a little bit easier, that's almost $100 in needed right. goods. Good point. So there's such leverage and amplification that's possible there. Um, and right. we can really make those dollars work very hard. Make them work hard. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So I saw about the circle of good as well. Would love to hear a little bit more about this This part of your organization and maybe how companies qualify for it? That's a great question. So on the company side, we are happy to talk to any company who is interested in in helping solve the needs that are prevalent in our communities. Um, So we have a a network of companies, more than 400 companies that that we work with, not always all at once. but very large companies, medium-sized companies, Good360 is really about scaled solutions. Mm. So we may not be the the best um, partner if you have, say, one box of things that you're looking to donate, but we're definitely a great partner if you've got a truckload or half a truckload or five pallets of goods or whatever it might be. Um, And on the other side of it, for nonprofits, like I said, any nonprofit can join Good360 um, if you're a valid 501c3 organization. And we do the vetting stages that I mentioned, um, but we are not picking and choosing the nonprofits that, that we're working with. We want to be there as a resource to help people in need. So regardless of what cause a nonprofit or a set of causes a nonprofit supports, 
Um, we're not here to make judgments on whether we support that cause or not. We just want to make sure that people in need are, are getting the items that can help propel them forward. Um, and we also often work with churches and um, public schools as well. So not just 501c3 organizations. It's really easy to get registered. Just go to the good360.org website, follow the follow the uh, links to register and within a few minutes and some basic pieces of information, you can be set up to kind of start the journey with us. That's fantastic. I love that. So when you're looking at your donations, what um, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of different stuff. What would you say is the most unusual or maybe it's the, the biggest donation, something that you've been like, now that's an unusual thing to be donating. Such a good question. We get a, a large, you're right, we get a large variety of things. I think one of my favorite programs to talk about when I get this type of question is our partnership with Advanced Auto Parts because people stop and scratch their heads and say, well, What do you mean you're taking donated automotive parts and supplies? Like, who really needs that? And it is amazing how many of our partners um, can use these items. So, I'll give you a couple of examples. So, we work with Advanced Auto Parts. Um, each of their distribution centers when they have excess inventory or things that, you know, maybe it's a, um, a pack of, of oil, of quarts of oil, but the packaging got ripped or something. So those things get pulled off the shelf and they get donated. So there's a few ways in which um, we can really put those kinds of goods to use that you might not think of. First of all, a lot of nonprofits have fleets of vehicles themselves. And so think of maybe a nonprofit that works with senior citizens or foster children, and they need vehicles to be able to take people either to doctor's appointments or to school or grocery shopping or whatever it may be, the maintenance of their vehicle fleet can be a big expense. And so if we can help defray some of those costs, that's a big win for those nonprofits. We're also doing some really interesting things with that partnership where we are helping advance auto parts with one of their missions, which is training and growing the auto mechanic experts of tomorrow. So Mm -hmm. we partner with nonprofit trade and vocational schools to provide donated goods that they can use in the classroom to, uh, to train men and women who are pursuing that as a future career path. Interesting. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's always the one that, you know, when I talk about good 360, when I say, you know, we handle everything from clothing and shoes to personal care items, to furniture, to building supplies, even automotive parts and supplies, everybody always stops there and scratches their heads and says, how is, how does that work? Um, so yeah, so that, for me, that's, that's one of our really fun examples and it's a great impact. Yeah, definitely. And, and kind of a long term and, um, uh, it's, it, I, I was thinking it's kind of a, a legacy also because you're, you're, you're taking it back into a, um, an education or a training program that has long-term benefits to everybody, if you will. So that's right. And we talk about building resilient communities. It's not just about putting the product in people's right. hands or yeah. rebuilding homes, yeah. but there's a sense of human resilience here too. Absolutely. And those kind of programs do exactly what you said and, and put people on a path that, that you know, hopefully leads them in a good direction right. um, in the future. How has, you know, this, this whole pandemic that we've been dealing with for a year now, how has that impacted Good360, either impacted you guys or impacted the, um, the requests or the, the, the types of products? Just what, what has been that impact for you that you've seen? 
2020 was a year of challenges for everybody, Good360 included, and it, mm-hmm. the, the pandemic really um, stretched us in a, in a number of ways from, you know, a small team of just over, actually at that point, just under 50 people. Um, but everything from suddenly going to work remotely, right, like so many companies had to deal with, that was a big stretch for us. But then also our donors and our nonprofits both looked at Good360 to help in new and, and different ways. Mm-hmm. So I think the easiest way to put some parameters around it is to talk about the impact first. So in 2020, we distributed more than $700 million in needed goods in total. And that was more than twice what we did the year before in 2019. So we doubled our growth in just 12 months. And so far, you know, March 2020 to March 2021, we've distributed more than 300 million in goods for COVID relief alone. So out of that roughly 700 million in 2020, you know, a quarter, third of it maybe um, was for COVID relief. Mm -hmm. So that's really stretched us a lot. There was a lot of... um, a lot of our donors turned to us in uh, March, April, May timeframe because when the whole world just shut down right about now, about a year ago, um, and all of the stores shut down and everything, so many of our corporate partners' inventory stranded at different maybe also at distribution centers and, and right. other nodes throughout the supply chain. Right. And if you're, a, say, a fashion retailer, you know, you can maybe sit on that for a little bit, but then as you wait in the weeks, the days, the weeks, and pretty soon the months go by and are not reopening stores, then you're a fashion retailer with seasonal inventory. You can't just reopen your doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that you had on the shelves in March are still relevant in June. So we worked with a lot of our partners to solve those kinds of issues um, mm-hmm. and to take product out of the supply chain where it wasn't going to you know, move towards the customer or it wasn't any it wasn't seasonally appropriate any longer. Um, and so what that meant was a lot of large, like even larger scale donations than, than what we'd seen previously. And just to be able to help our, our corporate donors kind of weather that storm. On the flip side, our nonprofit partners were facing all kinds of pressures as well. There was, you know, a lot in giving kind of dropped off in the early stages okay. because there was so much uncertainty. Um, so many vol- so many of our nonprofit partners really rely on volunteer base bases to be able to do their work with social distancing guidelines they couldn't bring large number of volunteers together mm-hmm. and so many of the volunteers were um, you know maybe retirees who were a more compromised population in terms of exposure to the virus mm-hmm. so there were a lot of pressures on our nonprofit partners but one of the most uplifting things I think came out of the pandemic was a new new approaches to talk about resilience right new approaches mm-hmm. to get product into the hands of people in need and I think one of the things we saw in the news a lot last year and even still now our drive-through distribution events that were mostly focused around food banks. But what we did with some of our partners was work to add on almost like a, like a household pantry element hmm. to the, um, to the drive-through. So you, you know, come through in your car, pop your trunk, get food loaded into your car, come down the line to get some household goods, or if you have a baby at home, maybe get some diapers, personal care items. Um, So we did 10 of those events in Q3 and Q4 last year um, with a great partner called Alianza de Football, which is a a group based out of Guadalajara, Mexico. 
And they did a great pivot. They normally run uh, soccer tournaments and camps for youth. And they weren't able to do that either because of the restrictions around COVID. So they said, well, we have connections in all of these communities in the U.S. We are experts at running events. We're going to pivot for 2020 and we're going to do distribution events in each of those cities instead of the football uh, tournaments. So we partnered with them, with local food banks in each city. Mm-hmm. And we gave out, um, oh my gosh, truckloads and truckloads of household and, and personal items. To wow. Yeah. So, you know, as hard as the last year has been mm-hmm. and the devastation that it's caused in so many people's lives, there's been some silver linings or some bright spots where, mm-hmm. where organizations, companies, nonprofits have been able to come together to try to bridge that gap at least a right. little bit. Right. Oh, that's such a, and I love this idea of pivoting because I think just about everybody was doing some serious pivoting last year, you know? That's right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So how much do you think in terms of waste that, what do you think Good360 has been able to keep out of landfills? I don't know if you guys track that or you have an idea of what you've redirected, if you will. Yeah, good question. So I think the, the the place to start on that question is knowing that just like I said, last year in 2020, we distributed over $700 million in goods. Mm-hmm. So not to say that all of those goods were necessarily destined for landfills, but probably mm-hmm. you can make an assumption yeah. that a good amount may have been. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're doing on the more sort of individual level with our donors is really working through now, how do we institutionalize the measurement of that um, from a weight perspective. So if I go back to advanced auto parts for a second, they have uh, their ESG environmental social and governance report for 2019, which is on their website. And they talk about the fact that in 2019 alone, their partnership with us, which is called driving hope, um, their partnership with us diverted 1.5 million pounds of goods from landfills because we were able to repurpose and reuse it in the ways that I talked about. Right. And that driving hope program, that partnership between Good360 and Advanced Auto Parts was actually recognized as the best sustainability program by the United States Chamber of Commerce Foundation Citizens Awards in the fall of 2020. Yeah, so we're really, really proud of that. Um, Another national retailer that we work with, we're tracking uh, at this point, well, for 2020 calendar year, we we tracked about almost 15 million pounds in uh, in goods that were diverted from landfills. And we're doing some of that work on a donor by donor basis to, to really understand it. It's really heartening to see actually, because so many of our donors are really stepping up. So many companies are really stepping up on the social sustainability, responsible business type practices and taking this stuff really, really seriously. Um, And we're a critical partner for them in delivering on those activities, but also measuring them. So while I can't say for certain how much Good360 in in total has kept out of landfills, it's significant and, right. and meaningful as evidenced by, you know, distributing over $700 million worth of goods in one year alone. Right. You know, I'm convinced personally that, you know, there's, um, well, and I know we've seen this out there as well, that this idea of reducing how much we individually are buying and acquiring 
um, really asking those hard questions as we're out shopping. And I have to tell you, I did a lot of shopping during COVID. It's, um, and I'm glad to see through Facebook that I was not the only person that was spending their spare time shopping. You know what? Um, you were supporting businesses who needed yeah, your support. Yeah, that's, that what time, said. that's what I said. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but thinking more now, especially about how do I reduce that and really think hard about what I need, trying to buy those goods that are much more sustainable and sustainable to me also is quality, you know, buy high quality, don't buy the fashion that's going to, you're going to throw away after or give away after six months, buy something that's going to be around for a few years. Um, and then trying as best we can through those activities to keep the landfills, to keep it out of the landfills because the land, you know, it, it's not good for any of us to have as many landfills as we have. Um, and the entire business that's around landfills too, and and shipping our waste off to third world countries and that problem off to third world countries. So I, I love this idea of um, certainly these large quantities that, that maybe we as corporations have getting a second use or a third use, uh, third life, if you will, versus we, we, you know, having to put them into a landfill. So I love that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so do we, so do we. And it's so, it's interesting that, that you mentioned kind of the, the overconsumption, these competing dynamics of the consumerism and overconsumption with maybe more of a, a socially responsible or minimalist sort of focus. Right. Um, I just actually, a partner just shared some stats with us this week and, and this was staggering to me. And it really underscores what you're talking about on the consumerism movement side. And that was the forecasted growth rate for the personal storage industry oh. over the next five years. And if, if I remember correctly, I think the compound annual growth rate for that industry was over 100% for the next no, five years. No, it is years. not. That's what, yes. And so that is a trend that in spite of, you know, there being movement toward minimalization and buying high quality, so you mm -hmm. just need to buy less. Um, we, at least in this country, still are accumulating stuff at a, at a very rapid rate. So that's one of the things that we're, I think, very squarely positioned in the middle of to help kind of find that balance, right? You have this overabundance mm -hmm. on one side with all of these goods, and it seems like, well, there's so much. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, we've never been in a situation with greater need in our society and in our communities. And that's been exacerbated over the last 12 months with the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. So Good360 is in such a great place to be able to kind of bridge that gap and really be the leader mm -hmm. in connecting those dots to make sure that we're providing some balance, but really even more equality, right? And access to those goods. We talked about, about human dignity. A little girl should have a Barbie, if she wants a Barbie, right? She shouldn't have to necessarily settle for a hand-me-down something or other that has, has you know, been beat up and, and used. I mean, that little girl deserves a brand new Barbie just as much as any other little girl. And so from the, that perspective of, of dignity and, and access and equality, mm -hmm. we're in a really good position to help push that forward. I love that. I love that. So um, just one final question for you, and uh, then I'll let you go. What what has been for you personally, maybe your proudest moment or your um, the accomplishment that you've been the most excited about? That's a gosh, it is such a hard question to narrow it down. Uh, I think for me personally, just on the very personal side, 
making the leap from the for-profit world and coming to the nonprofit world. I've been at Good 365 just over five years now. Mm-hmm. And my entire career before that was in the for-profit space. And I'm embarrassed to admit it now, but I really wasn't aware of how much opportunity there was to build a meaningful career, to have an impact in my communities, either locally or more broadly speaking. So from a very personal perspective, I'm just proud of myself for having been open-minded enough to see that and to be able to, to make the leap. And it's been an incredible five years. I think on the um, the bigger picture side, when I look at what we have accomplished at Good360 with this team of 50-ish, give or take, <laughs> full-time people, um, it's crazy to me. I don't know of any other organization that can claim sort of the leverage that we that we can create with our expertise, our history, the strength of our relationships. And so when I look back at 2020, as stressful as it was and as crazy and uncertain as it was, I'm so proud of our team and all of our partners collectively for the impact that we had because we were at least able to make some small contribution to moving things in a positive direction during a time in our history where it was pretty dark a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Oh, I appreciate that. Sherry, thank you so much. I know our our um, our teams are going to love to hear from you and, and uh, hear a little bit more about the or- this organization that we are so honored to have been able to find um, and, and partner a little bit more with as we're moving forward. And uh, I'm sure we will have you back soon if that's okay with you as we get more questions, but just appreciate everything you and Good360 are doing and appreciate this partnership that that, uh, that we're going to have with Norwex. Thank you so much, Amy. I really appreciate um, being invited to the podcast. Like I said, we could talk for hours about the things that we do. Um, and I do have to say thank you to Norwex overall as well. We couldn't do the work that we do every day without the support of our corporate partners mm-hmm. um, like yourselves. So that means a tremendous amount to, to our, not just to our organization, but to all of the nonprofit organizations that we partner with. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. today's podcast, please be sure to share with friends and family and don't forget to follow and subscribe.